0: The United States of America is called a Christian nation,
1: Christian nation, Christian nation.
0: It's time for a moment of clarity with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering. Let us pray that this nation does come to a moment of clarity. Faith, Faith, politics, 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 history, 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 and current current events.
2: And now, your host, Pastor Rick. Pastor Rick will not be hosting today's Moment of Clarity. Ed Bondarenka will be joining you shortly as the main host. I'm Derek Stone with a Moment on Sports Part 1. The Detroit Tigers defeated the Los Angeles Angels 5-3 this past Sunday. Jake Rogers crushed a solo homer and a three-run jack to plate Matt Beerling and Andy Abanez, plus Kerry Carpenter grounded out to plate Parker Meadows to complete the Tigers' scoring. Miguel Diaz tossed a scoreless first inning. Joey Wentz recorded his third triumph in 2023 despite allowing all three runs on five hits in four and a third innings of relief. Jose Cisnero, Tyler Holton, and Jason Foley combined for two and two-thirds scoreless innings, and Alex Lang induced an Eduardo Escobar flyout, Brett Phillips strikeout, and Zach Neto lineout line out in his perfect ninth inning to seize his 24th save of the season. Now here's your Moment of Clarity host for today's program, Ed Bondarenka. Howdy.
1: Howdy. Welcome to the show. We got a great show lined up for you. Joining me is my friend Bruce Fleury, co host of the Abolitionist Roundtable, heard here at 9 a.m. Saturdays. And uh, Bruce also wrote the Negro Project, Margaret Sanger's diabolical, duplicitous, dangerous, disastrous, and deadly plan. I see some alliteration going on there, Bruce, for yeah. Black America. Well, you couldn't come up with Dark America, deadly plan for Dark America. Okay, Black America. Hi, Bruce. Hey, good,
0: good good afternoon, Ed. Hey, hey again, Derek. Good to see you again. Uh, I think the alliteration. Maybe Derek might have picked that up when he describes annihilating a fastball and
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you know, for a home run and that yeah. type of thing on his. Yeah.
1: Well, play. that's that's his violent terms for a sports <laughs> sports dis- description. Yeah, yeah, shattered and so. Also joining us today on the phone is Catherine Broussard. We had some Skype difficulties, but. Uh, Fortunately, this is radio, so you don't need the video, anyhow. And uh, some very interesting stuff happened in Lansing this week. And uh, Catherine is the chief mm-hmm. operating officer of Salt Lake Global, and uh, Salt Lake, you know, was founded by our friends Will Wagner and Dave Coleman, also of Great Lakes Justice Center. And um, mm-hmm. Catherine is the, like I said, the chief operating officer, so she has a lot of insight into what went on in Lansing this week with legislation regarding Prop- uh, Proposition 3. I almost want to say Proposal 3. Now I'm not even sure what the technical term is. But, Catherine, are you there? I am, yes. honored to be with you. Oh, good, good. I'm glad to hear that. Now, as a bonus, I believe we're going to be having a phone call in a few minutes from Karen Whitsett. Now, those of you who Listen attentively uh, for the last few years knows that or if you just watch the news you know that uh, Karen was on our show a couple years ago when she had COVID and uh, President Trump intervened and got her medical access to uh, hydroxychloroquine which she claimed saved her life and that got in, her in a lot of trouble with her cohorts in the Democratic Party. They tried to get her primaried didn't happen because the people in her district love her. That's great. She's a hero, and we're going to tell you why shortly. Mm -hmm. So, um, Derek, let me know when Karen calls in, okay? I trust she's getting ready. I've told her to call in about 15 after, so she avoids all the intros, and she's a busy lady. So, Catherine, why don't you give us an overview of what happened in Lansing this week regarding Proposal Mm -hmm. 3?
3: So I'm actually going to back up. Two weeks ago, there were about 17 bills introduced between the House and the Senate, ostensibly just to codify Prop 3 into law. When it passed, it automatically became a part of our state constitution, but now they're putting it into our legal code. Except those 17 bills went much further than even Prop 3 did in Mm -hmm. instituting a lot of changes that severely jeopardize not just the life of the unborn baby, but also the lives of, and then the health and the safety of women seeking abortion. And these bills were highly controversial. There was a lot of um, testimony on both sides in the committee meeting and in the original committee meeting two weeks ago, and they didn't actually get to pass the bills out of committee. So they called a special committee meeting this week just to basically vote the bills out of committee. And the Republicans said, we're not going to um, really compromise with these bills in any way they tried offering a few amendments they got shot down right away except for one Democrat who voted with them Um, but they still and that Democrat was was representative Karen Whitsett she also tried to amend these bills and when we say health and safety regulations we mean things like even removing the hand-washing requirement from surgical licensing facilities for places that perform surgical abortions. Like you want to have sanitary storage of equipment and, and a place to wash your hands and keep things clean in those rooms. These are common sense, no brainer things. And Karen Witt set, set, said, I'd like to promote some amendments as well, because these things are just going way too far and, and truly compromising the health of my constituents. And um, her, her amendments got voted down and then in committee, um, she crossed over and voted against all of these abortion bills, and they were not able to bring them to a vote on the floor.
1: Thank you. I Thank appreciate that. that. Amen. And so now uh, Derek is telling me that Karen is on the phone. And uh, I want to tell you, it's very gracious of her to join us. And I'm I'm very much impressed with her for having taken the stands she has. And so... Yes. Um, I talked to her a couple of years ago, and I don't think I'm talking out of school now, offline. And uh, she had made the statement that uh, perhaps we weren't as far apart on some issues as I thought. And uh, I really could have read a bunch into that. I didn't want to pry, but I, I know that she's a, a, a good lady, has a good heart. Uh, I understand why she should be a Democrat where she's trying to represent. So having said all that, Karen, welcome to welcome back to Moment of Clarity.
4: Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, thank you. So, um, and we'll probably get into a discussion in a bit uh, with Catherine about the actual technical details, and I, I don't know how much time you want to be involved in the discussion, and I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but uh, we're joined by my friend, uh uh Bruce Fleury, who's the uh co-host of another show, the abolitionist abolitionist roundtable. And uh he wrote the Negro Project, uh a description of Margaret Sanger and uh um Planned Parenthood and everything that was going on there to uh actually um eugen you you genocide. Thank you. Yeah, eugenicize. Yeah, that's the word I'm not looking for. And uh she, uh, uh, Bruce wrote this book describing uh, these practices at mm-hmm. that time. And, of course, abortion was a, uh, a big part of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to say one more thing before we go much further. One of the – what Catherine was just describing was the health and safety aspects. And one of the big deals about abortion that I've heard over the last 50 years was we don't want to go back to – Coat hanger abortions. And I'll be darned if that doesn't sound like what they're trying to do right now. What would restrict somebody from performing a coat hanger abortion under what the the uh, uh, what was being proposed? Well,
4: Bob, I'm not going to go that extreme um, okay. on things. I, you know, I, I understand what you're saying. But um, I just want to make sure that common sense things are left in place. You know, if if for whatever reason that the things are already there that are necessary to keep, um, facilities safe and clean and accessible, then I'm fine with that. But I want to ensure that I'm making the right decision. I don't want to make a haste decision because once this is done, it can't be undone. So I want to ensure that one of the biggest things that started all of this is Medicaid-funded abortions. Of course, right now, abortions are covered under rape, incest, and the health and safety of the mother. And that's perfectly fine. That costs the state of roughly about $2 million right now. If it goes into elected abortions, which I'm not supporting to be um, funded by Medicaid, that would take the budget from $2 million to $6 million. There are just some things that funding can be better, more spent on you know how about the option of medicaid telehealth for mental health i think that would be a great resource for funds to be spent on you know we have seniors that are low income that are receiving 20 and 40 dollars on an ebt card why can't they receive 80 or 100 dollars a month there are other okay. things that we could do with this extra four million dollars if we're going to spend extra money and put it within the state budget.
1: Okay, I understand that. So let's, to be clear, and back to the subject of abortion, you are not totally opposed to abortion, correct?
4: No. I'm. You know, like I said, I, I have been raped. I've gone through a termination myself. I did the 24-hour wait period. You know, I think that people do need to have accessible and safe abortions. That needs to be their choice to to make. However, one of the things that I am opposed to is removing the 24-hour waiting period. I am opposed to that because I think that it is not too much to ask for 24 hours to ensure you're making the right decision when you're talking about terminating a life.
1: Where would you, how would you feel? I'm just, this is a question. I, I hope. You know, like I told you, this is not an attack on you whatsoever. That I think very highly of you, but I'm curious what your position on uh, ultrasound would be. You know,
4: right now, I actually don't um, have an opinion on that. It's something that we've started delving into as far as the conversation with some of these things. I am not, um, I don't have all the information on it, so I don't want to speak on something that... I can't um, really intelligently address.
0: Okay,
1: Bruce, did you have a question for Karen?
0: Uh, Yeah, good afternoon, State Rep. Uh, Thank you for uh, joining us on the broadcast today. Um, uh, I'm wondering, uh, lately we've seen these uh, pregnancy resource centers come under attack, you know, calling them fake clinics. We know that uh, people like Elizabeth Warren wants to shut them all down and that type of thing. There's a doctor quoted in the Detroit News uh, yesterday as saying that uh, anti-abortion proposals, prohibition still in the bush, needlessly delay care for women and force them to receive biased, med- medically inaccurate information. I don't consider uh, these of, a, uh, of, a, uh, of an ultrasound, for instance, uh, medically, uh, medically biased. I think women need to have all the information possible. And what, what, what is your opinion of these attempts to shut these places down? Uh, to me, they are providing a, a, a very valuable service, uh, state representative, and, that, and, and especially just to, uh, just to let people know that there's actually uh, another way to deal with an unwanted pregnancy other than ending the uh, life of an innocent unborn child.
4: Well, it's not something I'm exactly 100% familiar with. I know I do mm-hmm. have a, a center within my district. That uh, addresses that and they assist people to being able, women to be able to keep their children um, mm-hmm. to be able to get the, the help that they need and the care that they need and um, gynecologic visits and so on and so forth sure. um, it It's a great resource within the community mm-hmm. and you know, I myself, when I had my son, I was low income and I received services from those that were helping those continue their
0: pregnancies. So
4: mm-hmm. I, received, I received that help personally.
0: Well, that's, um, that's good to hear from personal experience. Uh, you know, I, I think it's something that uh, is kind of flying under the radar even now. Uh, there are, uh, there's a crying need for this type of thing, and I'm, I'm proud to, uh, to, uh, to support these folks on a monthly basis over at the uh, De- uh, Pregnancy Aid Detroit on the east side of town over here.
1: So, Karen, Karen, um, one thing I wanted to do was I wanted to celebrate you by having you on this show for your courage. I mentioned to you off air earlier that I I believe very much that this was an Esther moment for you. Uh, And interestingly enough, it occurred to me after that conversation, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, but um, Esther stood up in the Old Testament, in the Empire of Persia, and she stood up very bravely at her own risk, very much her own risk, mm-hmm. to stop the, uh, um, the slaughter of the Jews in the Persian Empire. And many of us see the uh, proliferation of abortion clinics inside the inner city, as it's called, and mm-hmm. I assume in your district, uh, I believe I was told that your district hosts the most number of abortions in this state. I don't know if yeah. that's true or not, but uh, mm. the fact of the matter is, is that there is, to Bruce's point in in his book, there is a uh, a, a a slaughter of black babies that's unrelenting, and uh, that's why all these um, uh, uh, clinics are located in in areas like your district. I actually had a copy of Bruce's book on my programming cart at work one night and a young black man looked at it and he said, oh, you're reading this? And I thought, oh, oh now I'm in trouble. And he said, <laughs> you know, I started telling about it. He says, oh, you mean what they're doing to my people? And so where I'm going with this is, what do you think the senses of your constituency? Do they support you in this? And And the other thing is, is that I think there's a sense that we need to do something to rein in late-term abortion, uh, abortions after first trimester, but that somehow, to actually semi-quote President Trump, we kind of screwed up because we went so hard after the last election and after Roe that we lost the midterms. We lost a lot of When it looked like we were going to totally ban abortion, then there was a, a swing back. That said, uh, no, we don't want to ban all abortion. But then all of a sudden, we got a bunch of wackos who want to board everything. That, that's pretty broad ranging. But I'd like you to comment on that.
4: <laughs> you gave me a lot, a lot in Sorry. there. Uh, Sorry.
1: <laughs> pick and choose. Just pick and choose.
4: <laughs> well, you know, uh, of course, I'm going to re- I'm going to receive backlash on this. You know, you, next year is re-election time. I'm going to receive backlash. So. Um, but I can. Sleep you faced that before. Well, knowing that I'm asking the questions that um, people in my community want answers to, I can sleep at night. And so, that's so, my job. My job is not to be a rubber stamp for the Democratic Party. My job yeah. is to represent my district. And that is who I'm asking the questions for. <laughs> I'm not a she. You know, I do not go along to just get along. I'm not trying to be um, someone who is just causing drama and havoc. I'm asking these questions legitimately because this is what people want to know the answers to. When I supported Prop 3, I did not support Medicaid-funded abortions. That was never part of the conversation. And like I said, let me reiterate. I'm the person who took the vote on the committee. I'm not the only person that feels this way on the Democratic side. There are others of us that feel the exact same way. So I'm not alone in my questions. These are the very questions we all have. These are the very issues we all have when it comes to this. So I'm not I'm not by myself. I'm taking the hits right now and I'm taking the blows and I'm I'm fine with that because I'm not going to be a rubber stamp. And I need to ensure that there is going to be safety within my community when it comes to a service like this. Because like I said, once this is done, it can't be undone. So I need to make sure all my questions are answered.
1: Amen, I think that's good. I see a quote here from an uh, an interview you did, uh, I think, with the Detroit News. You said, I didn't get here to do an easy job. I have a district to represent, and it's diverse. People who I have talked to in the community, this is what they want. So there are many of us who feel that there needs to be some compromise. Now, frankly, I believe all abortion is murder. Okay? Mm -hmm. I would like to see Mm -hmm. all abortion stopped, period. But- Mm -hmm not everybody feels that way and we got rid of roe and it left it up to the states and everybody thought oh well the the states will then vote accordingly and they'll limit it and then we had this wild backlash and all of a sudden it's the floodgates are open and and anything goes we don't have to have a doctor we don't have to have washing of hands or a secure facility and 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 no 24-hour everything just that's not what people want either and Forces like yours and your friends and us are going to have to come together and do something. Is that, does that sound reasonable?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's very, it's very reasonable. Like I said, I, I just want these questions answered. And, you know, I'm able to stand on my own two feet, you know, with this. And, um, you know, people have been gracious enough to actually uh, donate in support of, of me and wanting to make sure I'm able to continue on, you know, after this. And our I am do greatly that? appreciative of it. And because this is, this is not an easy stance to take. But like I say, I'm not trying to be this obstructionist. I'm trying to get answers, though. I have people I represent. I'm trying to get answers.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, we've only had a couple minutes before the uh, end of the first segment. Catherine, did you have any questions or comments for Karen?
3: I would just say thank you so much for having the courage to think independently and ask questions and advocate for your constituents. And um, I, I, I've been in both committee meetings um, recently and, and just <laughs> have the utmost respect for the way you've conducted yourself and um, really appreciate that that critical thinking process that you're doing and the deep
4: dive into these issues. Well, I appreciate that. That means a lot.
1: Karen, if some of our listeners wanted to keep you in the position you're in for the kind of thinking you're thinking and representing, where would they contribute to your campaign to make sure you come back after the next election?
4: Uh, they could simply just Google my name, com, and the page would come up to be able to donate.
1: And that's W-H-I-T-S-E-T-T? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Okay. That's good. Well, uh, did you have any closing words? Uh, Derek, what do we got? Two minutes? Derek, yeah, two minutes. I'm used to pushing us right to the limit where the commercial starts, and Derek Stay cringes here. when I do that. Yeah. <laughs> just but like the to <laughs> Are there issues? any closing comments uh, you'd co-har-gen. like to make? Uh,
4: Cohesion is the other issue that I'd like to bring up. Um, you know, when you go to emergency or you go to urgent care, one of the things they ask you is, do you feel safe at home? And I do not think that it's too much to ask when we have uh, medical professionals that are trained to even uh, look for signs of human trafficking. I don't think it's too much to ask for them to be able to have the ability to ask if someone is being coerced into a termination.
0: So oh, I, I saw see something that yeah, I've Bruce, been asking say- about. Well, well, I uh, I do have that as one of the uh, one of the reasons that uh, women do get uh, abortions. Uh, They're uh, coerced by even people like ministers, who, who people who should know better. Uh, I would think you'd probably agree with that, uh, Karen. Uh, you know, these these folks are there to, to be able to minister to the uh, to the folks in time of need and not coerce them into doing something they don't feel comfortable doing.
4: Yeah. So that's uh, that's my other concern. And that would kind of be all of them. Everything you summed up—that's kind of the gist of it and where I stand right now.
1: All right, Catherine. Any last questions? We have one minute left. Oh, look at that—that's high tech, Derek. We have one minute left, <laughs> Catherine. Do you have any questions? <laughs> I wish you'd do
0: that on our show.
1: <laughs> Catherine, any comments to uh, Karen before we go? Before she goes?
3: Yes. I don't know if you can hear me, but um, I was just wondering if you have any thoughts on the future of this legislation with with so many people having sincere questions. Do you expect further movement or do you think that, um, it'll stay in committee?
1: 30 seconds.
3: Uh,
4: committee. So now is to be able to get these questions answered. Like I say right now, if it was to go to the floor today, the votes are not there.
1: Thanks for joining us, Karen. Folks, come back after the break. We're going to continue the discussion.
0: And now, more with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering on Wham!
2: Ed Vonderenka is filling in as the host of today's Moment of Clarity for Pastor Rick. He will be joining you shortly. I'm Derek Stone with another moment on sports. The Detroit Tigers defeated the Los Angeles Dodgers 4-2 this past Wednesday. Tyler Nevin singled to plate Kerry Carpenter in the second inning. Spencer Torkelson hit a sacrifice fly to send home Carson Kelly in the following inning. Kelly singled to score Parker Meadows four innings later. And Andy Abanez singled to plate Carpenter in the eighth inning to round out the Tigers' scoring. Reese Olson allowed one run on two hits and recorded five strikeouts in six innings to earn his fifth win of the season. Miguel Diaz allowed a run and struck out a pair of batters in the next one and a third innings. And Will Vest tallied two strikeouts in the final one and two-thirds innings to capture his second save in 2023. Now here's your Moment of Clarity host for today's program, Ed Bondarenka. (sighs)
1: <sighs> hi there welcome back to moment of clarity and derek uses the word tallied and i don't see that as a violent term so i think hr has had a chat with him about his violent sports terms tallied uh doesn't strike me as a violent act so that's a step forward that's good work derek so um uh, Joining us is Bruce Fleury, co-host Hi. of Avalicious Roundtable. It's uh, normally heard here at 9 a.m. Saturdays. You should wake up early and tune into that if indeed that's yeah. early for you. And sure. uh, like I said, Bruce is the author of uh, The Negro Project. And also joining us is Catherine Boussard, mm-hmm. who's the chief chief operating officer. Or we could just say COO, but you may not know what that means. Of Salt and, Life, Salt and Light Global. And... Uh, you know, that's the organization that Will Wagner and David Coleman uh, have, and uh, they do great work, a lot of legislative work, and uh, there was a lot of legislative stuff going on in Lansing as uh, we were addressing a little bit earlier. But now I just want to focus on uh, Catherine talking to us about that. But before we start with that, I'd like to presage with one thought that I don't want to not get over the air, go to the end of the show and say, I missed that like a dog chasing a car that didn't know what to do with it once he caught it. Mm -hmm. When we got Roe struck down, we didn't know what to do with it. But the other side was waiting because there was a leaked decision so that they would be prepared for the next election. So the next election, the word had already gone out that this Mm -hmm. was going to happen, and they had all that time to prepare. And we were sitting there thinking, oh, thank God, Roe's been... I revoked. Not thinking about what we're going to do on a state level. And the other thing is, why isn't that leaker been found, fired, fined, and jailed? So, having said all that, welcome back, Catherine. Mm-hmm. It's great to be with you. So, um, what did happen when Roe was overturned, or with the bill? Oh no, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. In Lansing, uh, you were you started to tell us, and then Karen came on the phone. So. What were some of the uh, egregious things that the Democrats wanted to get through that that Karen was brave brave enough to stop?
3: So if I can run through a few of these bills, um, one of them wanted to remove the abortion clinic licensing and reporting requirements. So right now, abortion clinics that do more than 120 abortions a year have to be licensed as surgical outpatient facilities. And that licensing includes things like giving... EMS folks a copy of your floor plan in case there's a fire, they could get patients out safely. Or things like having hand-washing stations, having safe equipment storage, making sure they have surgical equipment on site in case something goes seriously wrong and they they need to help a patient, Um, making sure that doctors, nurses, and nurse anesthetists or, or anesthesiologists are available to do certain types of medical procedures on patients. And this bill, um, House Bill 4950, actually repealed all of those requirements. So it's literally saying that women don't deserve real doctors or nurses or nurse anesthetists, giving them anesthesia, things like that, that any other person seeking any type of medical treatment anywhere would certainly have, you know, a licensed doctor in an inspected medical facility treating them. And when you talk about health and safety, Abortion is not without risk for the mother as well as the child. And, and, and so those things are really important. It also removed the reporting requirements, and that would be things that would tell a woman, hey, you know, this clinic is statistically safer than this clinic, or this doctor has a great record and has for a long time, he's really well-trusted. And so it, it gives women information to make choices about where they go and receive care and th- without reporting those type of numbers and maybe, hey, this clinic reports a lot of casualties during routine procedures, um, w- women are not able to make the best decisions when that information isn't even collected, let alone published. And so that Catherine? was one proposal that was really scary.
1: Okay. So, yes. Bruce, you were mentioning Gosnell earlier. and. Yeah. Does this does this play into like, well, we don't want to collect data because then perhaps the abortionist could be doxed or or outed or even get bad publicity like Gosnell did or allow a Gosnell. Derek, uh, uh, um, Bruce, did you have anything on that? Well,
0: you know, I it, it's in, in the book here. I, I gave a brief description of what happened with uh, Gosnell, how it was allowed to go on so long because the city of Philadelphia, they didn't want to know. And Gosnell's uh, activities only came to light when people were complaining about the conditions in in his uh, in his so-called clinic. Of course, nobody knew he had all these specimens uh, in the refrigerator and all this stuff. All these little little poor little babies that he killed.
1: Uh, Next was th- lasagna.
0: Yeah, and there was there and there was a, a young woman by the name of kind Maya Monger who was a uh, an immigrant uh, who ran afoul of him and wound up paying, paying for it with her life. And I think, uh, uh, Kathy, you might, you you might uh, know this too, that, uh, she wasn't the only one. Uh, finally, the health inspector got in there, saw all this stuff, these, just these conditions in this chamber of horrors, and they had no choice but to cite the, uh, to cite the guy. And that's how all this stuff came to light. So I think I've got that. uh, I think I've got it accurate without having to look at the book, the pages of the book, but, uh, it's, uh, you know, it sounds this,
1: like I remember the movie. Yeah. 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 Oh,
0: God. Yeah. And the thing is, we've had our own, uh, Gosnell character along here. Uh, uh, Catherine might know the name Ode- o- Alberto Hardari. Oh yeah. Uh, you, yep. you with him, uh, Catherine. Yeah. Cause our, our great Hi. friend, Monica Miller from citizens of pro-life society, uh, was mm-hmm. instrumental in getting him, getting him, uh, taken care of and he, he should have been taken care of the fullest extent of the law you know, so it's, uh, it, it's, it's, so, it's, it's, it's terrible. It is terrible these women.
1: Yes. Does this, does this put us back? Like I was alluding to earlier with Karen, does this put us back in actually back alley, uh, coat hanger abortion days? If there, if there are no medical restrictions, what I, I keeps, yeah. What keeps I, I people would from- actually
3: even uh, there's, there's some question about whether we're already there in April in Michigan. We, we passed several reproductive health bills, um, including House Bill 406 that repealed and Senate Bill 2. And then, well, there were three of them. Senate Bill 2, House Bill 406, and House Bill 432. They they removed sentencing guidelines for people who repeal, people who performed abortions on women, people who maybe were publishing or selling do-it-yourself abortion tools. And if the woman died, as a result of following their advice, there's no longer any crime in Michigan for doing that. You can publish no. things like that that would lead women to great risk. And, and those laws got signed by our governor on April 5th, 2023. Um, uh-huh. There's additional repeal that removes really liability for abortionists at, at um, mm-hmm. an unprecedented level in this new bill package. But we've already gone to the place where... If someone said, you can take a hanger, insert it this way, do this, drink dandelion water, and who knows what, Um, and, and you know, whatever it was, if a woman had adverse consequences, there's no law left on the books to prosecute them right now that I'm aware
0: of. Well, also, uh, and I should have asked this of uh, Karen uh, Karen when she was on, where is the compelling state interest in the preservation of innocent life? Is it gone out the window now, along with uh, should be safe, legal, and rare? That's never mind all that. that. That never happened. Uh, let's move on. Uh, uh, Catherine, maybe you can answer that question. Where is the compelling it's state interest? It's actually
3: really funny that you mentioned that, because Prop 3 itself actually mm-hmm. has language in Article 3, Section 24, um, long, I'm sorry, Section 28, Line 4. It says that the state, it, the state can acknowledge their compelling interest to protect life, quote, for the limited purpose of protecting the health of an individual seeking care consistent with accepted clinical standards of practice and evidence-based medicine. End quote. But that mm-hmm. language is in this prop in Prop three, in our state constitution now, that that says that they should consider what what protects the life of the mother at the very least. And these new policies don't even do that. They go far yeah. beyond the scope of even prop three.
1: Mm-hmm. Does well, that make the challenge? Well, I know you're not Will and I know you're not Dave, but or any one of the m- number of lawyers. But does that make the would that have made these challengeable in uh, in court, given if we had a good I, state Supreme Court?
3: Um, you know, I'm not 100 percent sure what the standing or, or, or would be with the Supreme Court on that. But the idea that um, I, I would go back to the 14th Amendment very simply that um, all, all citizens are required to equal protection under the law. If a man walks into a doctor's office or medical facility or, or clinical outpatient facility and he gets to see a real doctor, but women yeah. don't have that protection, or if men are given informed consent, but women aren't, how can you say that women seeking abortion are being given equal protection under the law? And that that would be a constitutional issue, Um and again, I'm, I'm not Will or Dave to be the expert on unconstitutional appellate work, but um, there, there seems to be some really obvious glaring discrepancies there.
1: Yeah. You know, in a society that has warnings up on the side of packages of pet rocks that say not food, do not digest, you know, because of the Consumer Protection Act and the like, uh, how the heck can you n- take away protections from patients for activity like this and say, oh, yeah, this is okay. This is good. By the way, uh, uh, you're not allowed to have a gun because that could kill somebody.
3: Mm-hmm. I, it's I don't really get it. totally unprecedented. And the thing Makes that the I sense? wish people would ask themselves, and this was just one bill out of 17 that I've addressed so far, but the thing mm. I wish people would ask is who benefits from this? It's not women. It's certainly not children. It's no member of society. It's, it's only Planned Parenthood and the abortion providers that could possibly benefit, you know, these are yeah. cost-saving meso- measures when you don't have to hire people with certain medical degrees, or you don't have to have a sink in every patient room. Um, it, it saves them money, but it's not in the interest of the patients. And, and we need to think yeah. about who the real winners are.
0: Yeah. You know, and, and these, uh, we keep hearing about the, the right to reproductive choice and all that. Well, you know, a, a woman who goes in in, in desperate straits uh, a lot of the time, uh, and uh, she runs afoul of it, a hodari or a or a co- or a gosnel. I asked one time uh, Pastor Yule uh, for every uh, for every out there that we know of, how many uh, do you think there are? And he puts says at least a thousand. And so so a lot of these women, uh, when they should be getting a compassionate help and all this type of thing, they wind up making the ultimate price. They pay with their lives and they find they find out that the as I put in the book, they find out that their right to choose carried a very heavy price indeed. And uh it's just it's 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 terrible, especially when the American taxpayer is asked to to kick in five hundred million dollars a year so Planned Parenthood can continue this. And every and you're and, and Karen's uh, 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 Catherine's right about you know about the abortion providers, because every abortion that doesn't take place is that much money is does not go into their pockets. You know, and, and, and it's almost like the, uh, the, the racket now is going on with the uh, the uh, top and bottom surgeries at these major hospitals. Those things <sighs> are extremely expensive. And you know what? It's, it's interesting. Also, they mentioned this because reproductive freedom carries a very vague in proposal three. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at this. Uh, uh, and it's just like, you know and they say that this could actually allow children to undergo these radical operations to change their biological sex which they can't do but to change their gender without their parents' knowledge or consent that's in there too and that is scary
3: it's, it's these people are out of their minds there's also in these laws there's no you're absolutely right they're out of their minds there's no age of consent for a young girl who would be receiving an abortion and mm-hmm. in those instances, when a young girl is receiving an abortion, and, and Representative Wipset alluded to some of this earlier, you know, we've removed the coercion screening and all these other things that would screen for crimes in this bill package yeah. as well. Um, when a young girl needs an abortion, another crime has already happened, a, definitely a crime of rape. No one is now doing mandatory reporting or asking questions or filing criminal reports on that. You know, mm-hmm. wh- who is really advocating for the true reproductive health safety, well-being of of those children. You know, the left is quick to use underage minors who might need those um, services or think they need those services um, Mm. as the victim that we need to help, but we're not helping them when we repeal these laws.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I'm looking here at page 165 of the book here, and the Guttmacher Institute, which used to be the uh, information gathering arm for Planned Parenthood, uh, this is reported back in 05, that 74% of women re- replied that having a baby would interfere with their work, school, or other responsibilities. 73% said they could not afford to have a child. 40, 48% said they did not want to have a single, be a single parent or had a relationship problem with their husband. And 2% said they had uh, become pregnant as a result of rape or incest. So that's got to tell you something, that 98% of these abortions are elective for some reason or other. Mm-hmm. It's, it's scary, it, 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 and that's beyond scary. It's, it's ghoulish. Here we are, uh, Catherine, here we are. We have put ourselves, since the, the system was voted into, uh, into law, we have now put Michigan, the state of Michigan, on a par with communist China and North Korea with their population control uh, programs.
3: That's absolutely true, and these laws, I also want to say, um, these laws would repeal the ban on partial birth abortion. North Korea and communist China are some of the only places in the world where that's legal, Um, and and, and Michigan is truly joining their ranks on on a legal level here, and that is frightening and and barbaric to even think about. Thank you, Congressman Weber.
1: (laughs) We have a call. We have a call from uh, uh, Joe from Wyandotte. and Let's uh, let's see what Joe has to contribute, and if he can keep it brief. Joe?
5: Hey, uh, I want to go back to something you said at the top, a point you made, and I think worth considering. I'd like to give an analogy for people to think about. But first, you know, I work with the upper down River Michigan right to life here in why not? I volunteer to be the webmaster, put up a site because we need to do more to reach more people. But the culture is not currently at the point where we are going to be able to ban all abortions. So I say to people who are absolutists, ask about this analogy. What would you do? You come up to a lake and two kids off to your three o'clock are drowning another at 12 o'clock is drowning and yet another off to the left at nine o'clock is drowning do you make the intelligent decision to say well i can save those two at three o'clock or do you say i can't save all four so ah, just let them all drown I mean, that's what some people's thoughts are these days, unwilling to take what we can okay. get to save some yeah. lives.
1: Okay. And, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for calling. Good point. I, that's what I was uh, talking to Karen about earlier. And uh, you know, Trump. Trump was in an interview on NBC last Sunday, I believe, yeah. and he was caught saying that he was caught criticizing. Ron DeSantis for his five-week ban, no, no abortions past five weeks in Florida, and he said that's a stupid idea, or something to that effect, and he got roundly hammered. Jim Daly of Focus on the Family sent out a letter criticizing Trump for that, but, you know, I, I speak Trump. Sometimes Trump speaks inartfully. And later, Trump clarified that, and he said, in order to win in 2024, Republicans must learn how to talk about abortion. This issue cost us unnecessarily, but dearly in the midterms. And so the point is, we were ill-prepared in the midterms, and that red wave didn't happen, and I think because of abortion, and I've, I've spoken to other guests about it, that, uh, mm-hmm. and as I just did recently, Uh, today to karen there's got to be some to joe's point there's got to be some accommodation i am strongly opposed to abortion but if i want to save 70 i may have to and i hate to say it i may have to give up 30 just to save 70 does that make any sense katherine
3: it it does and i'd love to chime in here um you know, I, I, I believe that life begins at conception and that every life is sacred, made in God's image. But within Salt Lake Global and the Great Lakes Justice Center, we talk a lot about William Wilberforce, who ended the slave trade in England. And he did that over 20 years by chiseling away and taking the wind in front of him where he could take a step, where they could make progress. And when mm-hmm. you talk about Roe being overturned and the left being ready and our side not, Um, You know, they were prepared with a contingency plan. We never thought that we would get what we asked for in so many ways. But in the months (laughs) since then, we've seen record unity. Even this coalition that recently formed just a couple weeks ago, the Coalition to Protect a Woman's Right to Know, with more than a dozen pro-life organizations across the state signing on and standing together. And I think the unity we've seen happen in the House around these issues, stems from the people and the grassroots and these organizations locking arms and standing together first.
1: I think what we need to do in a second, Bruce, Uh I think what we really need to do is change hearts in this country. And we have to show Mm -hmm. people that abortion is horrible, change their hearts. I actually think a religious revival is the the ticket to that. But even then, show people the sonograms, Bruce. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And, and,
0: and the thing is what uh, what Catherine was alluding to earlier when they that when the, uh, the, the decision was leaked, you know, right away that they went they hit the printing press and all this months before the, the actual uh, ruling came down. And at that time, these people were able to to get their ads out to to be able to what do they say about the truth versus a lie? you know, the lies halfway around the world before the truth gets, uh, gets its uh, pants gets its the on. Yeah. And, and and the thing is, I was going nuts. I was about ready to rip out what hair I have left. I'm saying, where are the ads? Where are the TV ads from the Republican party and from, from all these other ones? We didn't see anything really until the 11th hour and not the 11th hour and 59th minute, but awfully close. And, the power of media, especially advertising, is is tremendous, you know, and we really dropped it. We we, we just fumbled the ball like, uh, you know, like the Lions have been doing lately <laughs> <Games>. <laughs> and that type of thing. And it's like and then I hear, well, you know, we don't have the money to do it. Well, you better scrape the money together or get get some get somebody some backing or that type of thing. Have a bake sale or some darn thing, because if the Republican Party abandons the they have, they have at the But the the, the moment the Republican Party abandons the unborn, they're no better than the Democrats. And that's my that's that's my 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 thought on on the matter, my opinion.
3: I, I do want to say, um, coming out of the first committee meeting, before Rep Sat stood up, the minority chair that, of that committee, Rep Vanderwall, um, he really advocated when, when the Chair Rogers became hostile towards pro-life doctors who were testifying. Um, he really advocated for them. He, he marched off. The, the committee meeting ended, ended at noon. They had caucus and they had session that afternoon. And Rep Vanderwall walked into this Whoa. caucus meeting and said, guys, we can't take this lying down. We have right. to unite okay. and stand Thanks together. Thanks for joining us,
1: Catherine. And the, Thanks the, for joining us, Bruce. <laughs> Time is up. I got Time caught on the words. Wow. Thanks for joining us, folks. Come on back Thanks next week. I appreciate clear. it, Ed. You take care. All have ahead. a great weekend,
0: everyone. Have a blessed day. Talk care. Bye-bye. Been listening to a moment of clarity on Wham Talk 1600 with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering. Be sure to tune in again next week, right here on Wham Radio.